We are currently in between sermon series here at Living Word. Pastor Dave finished up our Loving Your Neighbor series last week with a message about loving your enemy. And now we have two weeks, this one and the next, before our Advent season starts, which means we have uh, two freebies, kind of, two weeks where we don't have much planned. We just can kind of go with the flow. Two sermons not tied purely to anything, uh, no, no other series or book. And so we're just going to dive in today um, on a sermon about rest. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you so much for being a God that provides and a God that is so good. And Lord, would you come and provide for us today um, words that we need to hear? Would you give us ears to hear? Give me words to speak this morning, Lord. We just pray for clarity in whatever things that you know we need. Amen. Well, with Advent almost upon us, I just feel like um, it's another time of year where it almost forces us to take notice and admit that uh, Christmas is almost here. The end of the year is coming near. It's kind of like, where has the time gone? I always feel like as I, and, and I don't write a lot of checks in nowadays because it just isn't a form of payment that I'm totally used to a ton. Everything's online and easy, but like I always feel like right now I'm st when I do write a check, I'm still like I'm just getting used to writing 2023, you know? And now it's like it's going to switch and I'm going to write 2023 in January because it's and it's just it, next year it's going to be a bummer. But out of curiosity, as as life flies by, I just want to know who in here is well aware that Christmas season is near because you have already begun decorating for it. Is anybody a Christmas an early Christmas decorator? Okay, we got Andrew in the. That's great, that's great. So uh, here again, then here's the next question: Who in here has a strict not until after Thanksgiving policy? All right, I expected that. Yes, I used to be that person, a man of principle. But uh, after the last few years, I, I've been at, sometimes I've been totally in the mood to decorate for Christmas, and I'm like, nope, not yet. You know, it's not been Thanksgiving yet. And then after Thanksgiving, when the time is there, my, the, the, my Christmas spirit has fizzled already, and I feel like I'm just like, my vigor is, is now, has, has been gone. And so I've, I got a new rule that when the Christmas spirit strikes, I'm going to ride the wave. And if that's November 15th, it's November 15th, and if it's December 15th, it's December 15th. I'm not going to discriminate. It's just when it hits, I'm going with it. But anyway, with the busyness of fall and the craziness of the horizon with the upcoming holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas, I just look out, and so many people are running. I'm worried that perhaps we're running ourselves weary. Anybody need rest in here? Anybody have intentional times of rest lately that they've taken? Open up to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 is where we're going to be. Second chapter in the Bible, Genesis 2, this is where we're starting. It says, chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in 
creation. God rested. Now, does an all-powerful God need to rest? No, but he did. God doesn't grow weary. It's not like, oh, boy, after those six days, I could really use a little break. That's not how the Lord functions. He, he is all-powerful. He has all strength. There's no weariness that would come upon the Lord. Yet after six days of creation, he stops and he rests to reflect, to look upon his creation. God rested. Rest is a godly act. And I know that this is hard for us, and it doesn't necessarily compute with, like, our Western mentality, and maybe more specifically, our Minnesota, like, Midwestern work ethic, but it's true. So let me remind you today that your busyness, and and mine as well, by the way, is not necessarily godly or holy behavior. In fact, I would argue that often we actually worship the idol of busyness. And we worship business because somehow along the way, we have made an equation in our heads that busyness equals importance. That busyness somehow gives us value. That busyness projects to the world that I have meaning, that I have value, I'm important. See all the things that I'm doing. And this is so much so that even if we do have times of rest, if we do get it, In our rest, sometimes we can feel anxious. Anybody with me on that? Because it seems like this false god of business that we often worship, it it just feels like, like we're letting it down. Like our importance and our value is perhaps decreasing while we rest. Like it must be wasting time. It must be considered that I'm lazy because if, if I'm not doing something, how could I be important or valuable? And what makes this idol of busyness so tricky is that we often reject it in our speech, but then we snuggle with it with with our hearts. I'm going to do that annoying pastor thing where I repeat a point of emphasis, okay? We reject it with our speech, but we snuggle it with our hearts. When we talk to people, we will tell them how busy we are. We share our business. We reject it in our words at times, and we sh- maybe show it on our demeanor. But in our hearts, we're sharing it because it feels like it shows this world the, our importance. That we have things to do. We are indispensable, right? We kind of like, in some ways, showing others that we are busy. We snuggle with it in our hearts, even though maybe we wear it on the outside as a burden. So I'm going to say this clearly to all of us this morning and to my own heart as well. Your busyness does not give you value. God gives us our value. And I wonder what would happen if we treated rest almost as if, a, as if it was a spiritual discipline, as if it too was an act of worship to our God. Many times Christians feel like Like, I want to be doing things. I want to be putting my faith into practice. Those are great things. Those are beautiful things that sometimes, like, I just want to, how can I apply my faith to the world? Show me what we got to do. Loving your neighbor. I want to learn how to do that better. But sometimes it's easy to think of doing as our worship to the Lord and resting seems as if, well, that couldn't possibly worship. But but I just wonder if we've treated it like that. Our rest is worship. 
And I don't mean to be hard on us this morning. Maybe it's just as simple as forgetting that we have the, the ability to say no to things. I'm guilty of this. And maybe you're here this morning and this just uh, doesn't hit at all because you're like, I actually wish I was busier. You know, I, I, and I wish there was more to do in my life. I feel like there's just a law. And so that might be you. But I also know that I see so many people running around, just running from thing to thing. And a lot of it is even for noble causes, noble reasons for our kids. But often in the process of running around for our families or kids, sometimes I'm not even present to my kids. Sometimes I'm doing all this stuff for, for my kids, and what they actually need isn't another thing but mom and dad to slow down and just to be present. And it's easy, and I've heard this from a lot of parents, to feel more like a bus driver these days than a parent. That we just take them from one thing to next. I have a quote in, uh, written on the board of my office. I, I, I try to look at it often, and it says this, Missional families dictate their schedule. Missional families do not let their schedule dictate them, but missional families dictate their schedule. So I want to just speak just for a moment here to mom and moms and dads that sometimes your job as a mom and dad is to just say no to the opportunities that are out there and yes to each other even the good opportunities. And it feels sometimes impossible to say no, and sometimes we do muster the strength to say no, and we end up saying no to the wrong things, you know? But sometimes we just got to say no. You know, we're not going to practice tonight. It's been a big week. We haven't even sat down for, or, and checked in with each other for what it seems like a week, you know? And, and so we, we just can't do it. We got to say no. And I know that can be controversial because we want our yeses to be yeses and our noes to be noes. And sometimes, you know, as we run our students different things to, to performances or to team sports, it's like, well, they're part of a team. They're, they're learning life lessons, but I don't want those team lessons to be learned as a priority over the first team they're on, which is the team of the family. And I know that they'll learn more in life if family is protected and treated like a priority. So maybe it's time for a pause and a check-in, to have a meal together, to dictate the schedule. And my fear, and I, and I hope you hear my heart in this, this isn't out of condemnation, it's out of concern. My, my fear is that we will go a month without missing the opportunities that are around us with the practices or performances or whatever that might be, and then simultaneously, so we won't miss, we won't, we'll go a month without missing a practice, and simultaneously we'll miss a month of just praying together as a family. Where have our priorities gone? Don't get me wrong, if you're here today, I want to say, first of all, like, thank you and well done. If you're here today, that means like you're making Sunday mornings a priority, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. I don't want to just be preaching to the choir. I think, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to get here even on Sunday mornings, and so if you're here, it's like, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I didn't even, I almost didn't come today. I just want, I was going to model rest to the church and just not come. Just kidding. But we need rest. Because what's even more alarming than not being present for my kids or my family is sometimes our business 
and my business keeps me from being present with God. And running around without rest is not God honoring it. It isn't holy. I mean, God says this in Exodus, right? The Ten Commandments. He says, rest, honor this day, at least one day of rest. And we see that Jesus rested. Open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Second book in the New Testament, Matthew and then Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. And if you have a pen or a highlighter, highlight it. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus had just finished up a, a late night of ministry of healing people long until after the sun went down. And then this next morning, it says that while it was still dark, he went out to a desolate place and prayed. He had to just go get rest with the Heavenly Father, which shows me a couple things. Number one, that rest isn't always sleep. In fact, true spiritual rest comes from our time when we just get to get away from the business, the opportunities around us, and spend time with our Lord. We can read about this actually in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5 verse 16 as well, where it says, and some versions say this um, differently, but chapter 5 verse 16 says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray, Luke 5 16. And some versions will say, and he often withdrew to desolate places and pray. This is something that Jesus did time and time again. There was no shortage of ministry and mission around Jesus, which means he actually at times had to prioritize just rest and getting away with his Heavenly Father over the ministry opportunities around him. Isn't that interesting? Now, not always. He would pour out and pour out and pour out, and then he would just know it. I need to do this and be rested and spend time with my Heavenly Father so that he had the ability to pour out again. Jesus rested. Why can't we God desires for us to be filled by rest. And sometimes it's easy to feel like if we rest, then like I said earlier, we're not valuable. But the truth is God actually values, value you, values you so much that he wants to give you rest. You're, you know, this rest is proof that you're valued by God himself because he says, I value too much to watch yourself get run ragged. Would you rest, please? We get to see how Jesus actually uh, gives this, this rest to his disciples in, in Mark chapter six. 6. Go back to, to Mark. So if you flip to Luke, go back then one, one book to, to Mark chapter 6. And this is in, in verse uh, 30 through 32. Now this section, verses 30 through 32 in Mark chapter 6, is between two different events. Jesus has just sent out to his 12 disciples in pairs of two. This was like their first mission trip away from Jesus doing ministry, the ministry of Jesus. And this, is, this section that I'm about to read is wedged between that little mini mission trip and the feeding of the 5,000. Chapter 6, verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. 
for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Jesus says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place. Let's just rest for a while. There's a lot of people coming. You guys haven't even had a chance to eat, for crying out loud. Let's get away from everybody to a desolate place. We need some rest. Rest does many things for us. I was tempted to bring up the countless marvelous medical facts of what happens when we rest, but I'll just take a more simpler kind of a spiritual route here. That as we rest, we see two things come. And this is not rocket science, right? It refills us from past work, and then it prepares us for future ministry as well, for future work. It refills us from past work, and it prepares us for future work. And that's what we see here. Jesus says rest. That's a lot. And also knows that very soon there's going to be 5,000 people that need to be fed. So rest up. He refills and then he prepares. And after the rest, look, look at the story. After they rested, we'll continue in verse 33. It says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd and began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat, Jesus says. He goes from, we got to rest. We got to come, let's get to, to a desolate place. He gives, we, we need to rest, friends. And he goes from that then to hours later, you give them something to eat. Church, God will use rested disciples for beautiful things. I'm going to do that repeating thing again. God will use rested disciples for beautiful things. I cannot imagine what a rested living word church could accomplish. Everything I said today, like, like I just finished, this is not rocket science, but I do believe this, that sometimes it is the duty of leaders to restate the obvious because the obvious is often overlooked. Do you need rest? Does your spouse does your family? I'm not saying to abandon your responsibility or all extracurriculars, but there are pockets of time that perhaps we can be more responsible with, that we can make rest a priority, that we can make rest a part of the way we worship as a part of our spiritual discipline. You know, a few years ago, out in California, one of the oldest uh, big sequoia trees fell in Yosemite National Park. And it was the first of Yosemite's magnificent trees to fall in, in many years. And so the Forest Service authorized an investigation on what mysterious force could have slain this giant of the forest. What could have caused this majestic tree that's hundreds and hundreds of years old, hundreds of feet high, to fall? There'd been no windstorms, no fires, no floods, no lightning strikes. The toppled tree showed no evidence of animal or insect damage, and as park rangers and forestry experts examined the down behemoth, they came to this conclusion. It was foot traffic. 
Because of this, the officials instituted a policy of fencing off some of the oldest and largest and most historically significant trees to keep the public from trampling, trampling the root system. There was too much busyness around these giants, too much going on, and it slowly degraded them to the point where they couldn't stand. Trees that have lived hundreds of years cannot survive when there's no protection and no sacred enclosure, no sacred space blocked off around their root system. And what's true for those trees is also true for both you and me. We have a delicate root system that's more fragile than we could ever imagine, and we need to find ways to protect it and give it a break to nourish our roots of faith. Too much busyness constantly swirling around us slowly just kills us. We need to have our own fenced-off limits, our own sacred enclosures around ourselves, around our families, times of rest where nothing gets in, where we're not running so that we are protected from the thousands of opportunities around us. There's no, oppor- no shortage of opportunities today. We need times marked off, set aside, where we can make sure we're rested and protected from the business of our world, protected from ourselves, even for in our inability to say no. Times marked off to be with the Creator and to be fed, so that we can recharge from past things and be prepared for future things. Without it, we too will fall. And it may be in just one great physical, emotional, or moral collapse. Or it just may be by little by little through months and years of gradually weakening our lives, eroding our personalities, killing the essence of who we are, who we'd like to become. Church, it isn't just okay to rest. Rest can be spiritual worship to our Creator who has asked you to do it so that you can be refilled and then prepared to do beautiful things for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this gift of rest. I just pray, Lord, that you would allow us to have sacred enclosures in our life, these sacred fenced-off areas where we can just rest, that we can be rejuvenated from all the past busyness, Lord, but then also prepared for the opportunities that are going to be placed in front of us, Lord. Thank you for giving us a gift of rest, for being okay with rest, for actually demanding us to rest, Lord. Would we step into that, Lord, as worship, not feeling guilty about it? Lord, we just ask that you would guide us in this. It's hard, and it's different, and it doesn't necessarily make sense in a world that's filled with running and doing and the next thing. Let us stand out in many ways, Lord, as we follow you, but this one as well. Amen.